Hello and welcome to our podcast. I'm Dr. Mark White, and today I'm going to tell you a story. The title of today's story is The Mechanic Who Changed Minds. It's a story about change, fear, uncertainty, and reconciliation. But it's probably not what you're thinking, and it's not necessarily in that order. Our story begins with a new patient with a complaint of shoulder pain and a new PT. The patient was a beer-swilling, chain-smoking, fun-loving character of a man. He worked as an auto mechanic, and he spent his days underneath cars, unbolting heavy auto parts, removing them, and replacing them with heavy new auto parts. He was thin and wiry, and he had the kind of strength that is acquired from years of repetitive actions requiring both isometric strength and endurance, coupled with bursts of heavy concentric and eccentric loading, to lift and lower heavy things in awkward positions. But this isn't how he was injured. The PT in our story had been in practice about a year, and new PTs generally are considered to have achieved integration of their formal academic training and patient care skill set after one and a half to three years of real-world practice. So, very green. This particular PT was also acutely aware of the limitations of knowledge in the profession. This PT was aware, too, of the vast and respectable knowledge of the referring physicians who screened the majority of patients sent to this particular outpatient orthopedic clinic. Seeing a new patient on the schedule was always a mix of excitement coupled with a shot of anxiety concerning, after the history and physical exam, what to do about the findings, to treat or not to treat, how, in fact, to treat whatever given problem was detected. So, the patient arrived. His story was that, per his wife, who arrived with him, that he was lifting weights in the gym when he heard himself doing something stupid. Specifically, he was doing an incline dumbbell press. Maybe he was trying to push too much weight, maybe he fatigued and lost control of the movement, but he felt a sudden sharp pain in his right shoulder and dropped the weight. He knew he was injured. He just did not know how bad. He tried to tough guy it out for two weeks, but his job of lifting... Turning wrenches and carrying heavy things only made his condition worse. And he needed to work. He had bills to pay. Finally, in significant pain, he saw an orthopedic surgeon. He was told he needed to have surgery to fix his shoulder. No other solution was possible. That was not what he wanted to hear. So, he sought a second opinion. He scheduled an appointment with a different orthopedic surgeon at a different orthopedic group and was told he either needed to have surgery to fix his shoulder or he would need steroid injections in his shoulder for the rest of his life. Bummer. Hearing this, the PT thought this patient's shoulder was trashed. Why was he even here? This, the PT visit, was the third opinion. What could PT possibly do if two experienced, knowledgeable, and competent orthopedic surgeons had already examined the patient and advised surgery? Was this visit a waste of time? It's difficult to be confident in oneself as a practitioner with little experiential evidence to draw upon. Clinicals in one of the big three settings of acute care, neurological rehabilitation, and orthopedics do not seem helpful at times like this. They simply cannot prepare us for every scenario we may encounter. So, we must draw upon the evidence from the history, the physical exam, and couple that with what we know academically, what we can glean from the published science, and pick the brains of colleagues and experts, and do the best we can. With some trepidation, the exam commenced, 
expecting a very sensitive shoulder with obvious clinical signs of an unrecoverable upper quadrant and rotator cuff tear, such as large area bruising, swelling, palpable pec damage or widespread discomfort in multiple structures, the PT was surprised to find only isolated tenderness to palpation over the distal attachments of the supraspinase tendon, along with proximal biceps tendon pain. Actively flexing the elbow with just arm weight did not reproduce pain. Attempts to actively flex or abduct the shoulder reproduced severe level 8 pain in the distal supraspinase tendon at a mere 30 degrees of motion. The same occurred with shoulder flexion. C-spine clearing tests were appropriately negative. One test, however, was as much startling in its clarity as the others were conventionally expected, even mundane, in context to the prior opinions rendered by the orthopedic surgeons. When the patient's arm movements were assisted with a counterforce, a weight of a mere 4.5 to 5 pounds, he was able to flex and abduct his shoulder to 90 degrees, without pain. The PT knew this finding was associated with a good prognosis, and in context to other findings, this trashed shoulder now looked dramatically different. It looked fixable, without surgery. The PT diagnosis, supraspinatus tendinosus, and accompanying bicipital tendinitis with mild rotator cuff strain. No full thickness tears, no severe problems crying out for surgery. But the patient had an additional problem. His insurance changed recently and he had no coverage. New coverage would not kick in for another six months. He could not afford multiple visits. What could he do on his own? He was prescribed a home-based rehabilitation program, one dosed out for his needs. He was told to return in one week. At the one-week follow-up, he reported his recovery was 80%. He demonstrated flexion and abduction to about 140 to 145 degrees, and a shoulder isometric force production was 80% compared to the opposite side. His HEP was modified. He was sent to his on his way, and he was told to return again in one week. He was a no-show for the second appointment. The PT thought, uh-oh, what went wrong? Attempts to contact the patient were unsuccessful, so his wife was contacted. Messages were left. Eventually, after several more weeks, the wife called back. She reported on her husband's condition. Oh, he's fully recovered. He was back to work after about the end of the second week after you first saw him, and he's back in the gym doing the same stupid stuff that injured him in the first place. Time for reflection. What changed? Certainly, the patient changed, thank goodness, but so did the PT in the story. That PT was me. This case changed my thinking. About the value of what I know, the value of applying the body of professional knowledge coupled with peer-reviewed science to come up with new solutions to problems, my own expertise, and my preconceived notions about what other healthcare professionals bring to the table. What was the fear? There were many. The patient was afraid the surgeons were right and that he really did need surgery. And what if the surgery didn't work? What if it made him worse? After all, surgical outcomes are never guaranteed. What if he was unable to work? ever again. My concerns were that I didn't know enough. I might hurt the patient and make things worse just examining his trashed shoulder. 
I was concerned that the surgeons were right. He really did need surgery. I might miss this obvious fact. I would only be in the way, delaying surgery, and if I didn't tear him up worse with an exam and ill-conceived rehabilitation efforts, the delay in surgery would be an iatrogenic problem of even greater magnitude than acute exacerbation of the patient's current problem. What had to be reconciled? The idea that I am an expert in my domain as much as the surgeons are experts in their domain. As physical therapists, we have a unique body of valuable knowledge possessed by no one else in healthcare. In addition, despite their expertise, the surgeons both missed the realization that this patient was fixable non-surgically. That situation can be remedied. Or, alternatively, they either did not know what was wrong with the patient, or they did know, but recommended surgery anyway. I'm Dr. Mark White. That concludes our story for now. And, as always, may you and your patients be well. Thanks for listening.